0: Small doses. Self help from the hip. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small doses. And keeping it real. Small doses. With me and Seals. It's So funky. <laughs> Hello! Everybody, welcome to the new and improved, but still giving you the same things that you've always loved. Small doses. Y'all, yeah, we are five years in. Five, cinco, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. Just went to Kenya. I should know how to say it in Swahili, but I don't. Five, okay, but I can't say this. Jumbo, five years into Small Doses, and we are still here with you. Love being able to continue doing this show, and love being able to expand it. So, my big announcement is that you can now also watch Small Doses on YouTube at Amanda Seals TV. Yes, so new episodes will be posting to YouTube the video, and of course, we will continue to give you your new episodes every Wednesday on the audio side, and you can watch the video version on YouTube on Thursdays. How? However, I can't get you a All right. So we're going to have a Patreon portion that you can get at theamandiverse.com. So whenever I'm answering questions, there will always be additional questions. And you will also get my outfit of the day explanation on Patreon at theamandiverse.com. Also, something new is that, of course, you're not seeing this if you're listening. But if you're watching, you're going to see that we are on a set and I'm giving you either pink or red or pink and red with every look. L-E-W-K. Every episode. Okay, very proud of myself for forcing myself to go down this fashion road because I am all about it. So that's why you'll get my outfit of the day on amandaversecom where I'll explain to you, you know, how I put the look together. All right? Now... In addition to this, we're just going to really try our best to be bringing people in the studio. I know you guys have been listening to the show a long time. You know that we used to have people like on my little futon in my little guest bedroom. And there's a certain closeness that happens when you have that analog connection that you just don't get in the digital of things. But of course, you know, there's the whole panini. There's a whole pandemic. So that is why we ended up with so much of the Zoom guests. But I'm going to definitely make it my business to try and have more folks in the building right here next to me so you can hear that closeness on the audio and also see it on the video. All right. Now, this is a great segue into this episode. Side effects of being a risk taker. Side effects of risk taking. Because with any project that I do, it's a risk. It's always a risk to step out on an idea, Right. And this doesn't only just apply to the career side of things. This applies to just the life side of things. Any date that you go on has a certain level of risk. You know, any rescue that you bring into your home has a certain level of risk. She any meal <laughs> that you have could have a certain level of risk. OK, but this life that we live is just risky because we have no certainty of outcome. But I feel like even though that is just like the bottom line of what it is to exist, a lot of people don't think that way. And so they apply a certain level of anxiousness and anxiety to risk taking in specific areas, not realizing that by nature of just existing, you are a risk taker. So I want to spend this episode really kind of just talking about what it means to be a risk taker outside of just the existence of taking in breaths and exhaling and how we can find ways to bring risk taking into our lives that will enhance our life. Because I think a lot of people... Wanna be riskier takers, riskier takers, risk take risk taking risk risk more risky, risky business, Tom Cruise. I wanted to really slide in, you know, like in the risky business movie. Like I wanted to slide in, and then I forgot I had carpet here. So that's my bad, guys. My bad. So when it comes to risk taking, we're gonna get into this gem drop because this conversation was actually inspired by a conversation that we were having in Kenya, in Mombasa, with some of the people that were on the trip. And There was an individual on the trip who was basically just saying that, like, he wanted to be an actor, but that he felt like there were other positions that he could take that had nothing to do with acting, but maybe were in the field, like, adjacent, perhaps. And that he felt like maybe those positions would still, like, give him the fulfillment that he would have with acting. And all of us were like, baby, if you want to be an actor, you need to act. You need to act. But when it came down to it, he was just like, I need a sure thing. And so we started talking about, well, what is the difference between risk-taking and recklessness? And that is today's Gem Drop. Gem dropping. Gem dropping. jam dropping. we dropping on these hoes. <sighs> what is the difference between being a risk-taker and being reckless? Okay, well, first let's break down. In my opinion, being a risk-taker is somebody who is strategic. They're not willy-nilly. They look at the playing field. They make calculations about what would be the best option for success. And, you know, depending on the type of person they are, that ratio might be higher or lower, but they step forth in that after examining. Recklessness Recklessness is somebody who just be out here doing whatever. They're not looking at the playing field. They're not, questioning themselves or examining losses they're just like I'm out here we out here they're living a YOLO lifestyle right (laughs) by the way can we just for a second address that YOLO was one of the corniest moments in vernacular and hip-hop time It really was. People were out here really yelling YOLO. There's actually a restaurant in Grenada named YOLO. And it's like nonetheless, it does sum up what recklessness is. You only live once. This idea that you only live once. Which by the way, I don't know that I necessarily believe because I've definitely been here before. But in this idea of recklessness, what we're saying is you throw caution to the wind, you just doing whatever. Now, I'm not saying there isn't any room for some recklessness in your life. As I say in my special, I'd be knowing (laughs) some. Of y'all got some periods that you don't deserve because you was reckless. Okay. You was out here having a good old time. You know, you were being young. You were being just free. And you were being, well, reckless because you were engaging in activities that had possible outcomes that you had no idea how you were going to handle, but you were doing it anyway. Risk taking is not that. Risk-taking is identifying, okay, this is the thing I want to do. Here is the situation and here is how I would deal with it. And here is how I would manage the possible outcomes. And so I'm going to proceed and you're proceeding with thoughtfulness. It doesn't mean you can't still fail. It doesn't mean you can't still take a L, but it does mean that you had a calculated risk. There was an educated guess in you stepping forward. And I think for a lot of folks, that makes the difference in whether or not they should take the risk. Because so many of us just don't want to feel like we're going to do something stupid. So many of us just don't want to feel like we're going to be dumb and we're going to play ourselves. And so we're like, well, I don't want to do something where I could feel like I'm playing myself. And that's when it becomes, well, then I'm just not going to do anything. See, that's the trick about risk taking versus recklessness, because you can find yourself in a state of paralysis. And when it comes to being a creative, I mean, the whole thing is a risk, right? Even the career, because like just making the choice to say, okay, I'm going to bank on the fact that the thing that I have inside of me that is its own unique thing, that it is something that people want, So that's the part one. Then it becomes, okay, I'm also going to find a way to figure out how to get people that thing. What? (laughs) That's its own thing. I will tell y'all, it took me a good 15 years to figure out how to even like identify what my brand is or what my art is, what my style is enough to be able to then tell people what it is. And then to then be able to learn like what the concept of marketing is to then allow them to even become aware that it exists. All of that is a risk. And for some people, I think it's easier than others for various reasons. And for some people, it really is something that they just cannot wrap their heads around for various reasons. And so we're going to get into some DMTs that are going to answer some of those questions. But when we look at risk-taking versus recklessness, I want you to ask yourself, when I make a decision to do something, what is the process that I go through before I make that choice? And then when you listen to these questions and you listen to more to the episode, go back and ask yourself if you still think that process is the best process. Okay, process that. Let's get into some DNTs. DNT. We're serving it. First question: What are ways to improve your beliefs in taking risks? I am so cautious that I feel it hinders me in aspects in life. Well, I think when it comes down to it, some ways that you can change like your thought process and taking risks is first starting with like just yourself. Right. So part of what it requires in order to take a risk is confidence and confidence comes from facts. Confidence comes from you being able to identify that this thing happened and this was the result. But the doozy about building confidence is that often you got to take risks to even get the opportunity to build the confidence. Right. You got to actually try the thing in order to see if it works in order to use that as data to give you confidence. So, when it comes to this idea of like, how do I change my beliefs, you have to start changing your belief in you. Do you believe in you? A lot of y'all don't believe in yourself. You don't. You don't believe in yourself. You don't trust yourself. And that's not your fault. A lot of times you don't trust yourself because other people have made you wary of trusting yourself. And nine times out of 10, it wasn't even because of you, it was because of their own failures, it was because of their own fears, it was because of their own inequities. when I was like really trying to pursue music and was like, okay, I'm going to rap, I'm going to sing. And everybody was discouraging me because they were like, no, you can't do both. You can't do both. You can't do both. And it was not because other people hadn't done both. It was because they didn't know how to market that or they didn't know how to make that kind of music and so it really put a seed of doubt inside of me that I could figure it out because they couldn't figure it out and looking back I just am like yo you really were listening to a bunch of cowards <laughs> you were listening to a bunch of cowards why are they cowards though Amanda why they gotta be all that why they gotta be all that they cowards because they were projecting their own things on me they're projecting their shit onto me And that's the thing. I wouldn't have called them a coward if it was their own thing that they were keeping to themselves. But you are now hindering somebody else's progress because of your own fears. You can't do that, y'all. You can't. And it creates people who are afraid to take risks. And it creates people who doubt themselves. And that belief that is required to change in order for you to be willing to take risks is going to start with you. And maybe it means not talking to people (laughs) about the thing that you want to do. For real. Sometimes you really just got to keep it to yourself. You got to practice the, I know what I'm going to do, way of life. Then I know what I'm going to do, way of life means that you don't got to ask nobody about what to do because you know what you're going to do. I know what I'm going to do. And you keep it to yourself. You keep it to yourself and you operate on a actions, walking, not just talking, mind state. The thing about changing your beliefs in order to be willing to take risks is There's also a certain level of spirituality that can help in this space. I'm not trying to tell nobody to like go down to the Episcopalian church and sign up. Like, that's not really what I'm trying to say. But there's a certain level of support in your risk taking that so many people gather from just their connection to a higher power that they feel is protecting them. And this idea, this ethos that whatever happens, I will be okay. And I know there's atheists listening like, ain't no higher power, that's you. Whatever. Because I say this life is hard, so whatever it takes. But at the end of the day, it's like the only way to really try things is to have the mindset of whatever happens, I'll be okay. That's the belief you got to switch. Whatever happens, I'll be okay. I may not be okay right away. I may not have the answer on how to be okay by myself. I may have to outsource a little bit. But ultimately, I'm going to be okay. Okay. When it comes to work decisions and things like that, there's a certain level of thoughtfulness that you need to have about your situation, about your circumstances. Don't get me wrong because that's where the recklessness comes in when you ignore all of that and just do whatever. But when you have a mindfulness about risk-taking, you're saying, here's the pieces on the board. Here's what I can handle. Here's what I can't handle. So here's how I'm going to go forth. And no matter what happens, I know that I'm moving in consciousness. I'm moving in kindness. I'm moving in thoughtfulness. I'm going to be okay. You also just got to know you. You got to know you. What are your actual capabilities? You got to be honest with yourself. What are your actual capabilities? And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way. Some of y'all don't give yourselves enough credit about what you can actually do. Some of y'all are not looking at yourselves in a comprehensive way. You are really short-sighting yourselves and that's part of the reason why you are taking such shorts in the steps that you could be taking. You got to look at yourself and really examine, well, you know what? I did do that. Let me not leave that out. I did do that. And give yourself those props. And let those props be the thing that helps you step into your space. I'm telling you, y'all, risk-taking is so much easier, too, for folks that feel like they have Nothing to lose. That's why you see mediocre white men just out here. Take it! They out here! It's not even reckless. Because they really don't have much to lose. So they really are out here just doing it up! I'm a white man and my name is Matt. And I'm going to do whatever I want because it's my world. It's my world. It's not your world, Matt. I mean, it kind of is. You know how I know what it is? Because every stand-up show I do, I can ask, is there a Matt in the crowd? And there's always a Matt in the crowd. There's always a Matt. And he's always like, eh, a Matt! But for some of us, that's not the case, you know? And so we start stacking all the reasons why we shouldn't do something. And we do all the cons. We don't do the pros. And then we're left out. Next question. How can you tell the difference from God is opening this door for me versus did I just make a big mistake taking this job when you start seeing red flags? Meaning, do you take the red flags as an opportunity to grow or leave? Well, baby, I can answer this question real quick. I have a basic rubric that I utilize in identifying what to do in this situation. And it is, and you've heard it before on this show. We've been doing it for five years. It's time to go when a challenge becomes a stress. That's it. So a challenge is something that strengthens you. Even though you tired when you're done, you're not drained, right? Like even though it's strenuous, you're not exhausted. You gained something from the effort. That's a challenge. A stress, it drains you. It strains you. It removes inspiration from you. So when you get a job... That feels like an opportunity and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then the red flag starts showing and you have to ask yourself, well, dang, like, is this a way to grow or is this a way to let go? That's how you know. Sometimes it is a way to grow and then it becomes stressful. And so that's when you leave. But I think for the most part, the whole job thing is that we all got bills to pay and it just feels crazy to like get into a position that you've always wanted and then not like it. And then you feel like, well, I mean, who am I to not like this position that I got? Now you have the ungratefulness that starts coming down the pike, right? Right. I know y'all listening like, oh yeah, yeah. You get the ungratefulness that comes down the pike. You get the, who do you think you are coming down the pike? You get the, how dare you? How dare? you not want this opportunity that you done put so much work in well when you started the process you probably didn't have the same consciousness that you did when you got to this point in the process right i mean that happens all the time that's how people grow out of each other in relationships and you can apply the same thing sometimes you're in a relationship and you're there and everything is what it is and then you reach a point where you're like i know this is a good person but i'm just really not interested in being with them no more Have you ever seen the movie blue valentine With Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. First of all, when I saw the movie, me and my homegirl, Emily, we literally had to sit in the theater for like 30 minutes after just like in a stupor because we were just like, wow, maybe this love thing really doesn't matter. Really. But honestly, like that movie was a great example of even though this man loved this woman to the brim, to the hilt, even though he saw her through her darkest time she just reached a point where he just couldn't fulfill her to where she had gotten to. And then she felt like she was such a bad person for not wanting to be with him anymore. But you gotta be honest with yourself and the risk in those situations comes in, well, will something better come along? If I exit this situation that I wanted so badly and that I've put so much time into, will something better come along? And, You got to believe that, yes, it will. I really just believe that in general, if you are moving in purpose, something better will come along. If you are moving in kindness, I just, I mean, I know this is very idealistic and I know it's like, Amanda, get out of here. The world is crazy. But I just like to believe, and maybe I like to believe this because what other reason is there to not believe it other than just believing that everything is going to fail and then you just don't do anything? Well, I'm not trying to spend my time here on that tip. I'm not. I'm really not. So... I operate in that mindset of like, if I'm moving in purpose and I'm moving in thoughtfulness and I'm moving in kindness, then it's going to work out. Now, again, the thoughtfulness part is the thing too. Like I'm not out here just like, whatever. No, there is a thoughtfulness that is there. And you keep working, you keep trying, you keep thinking. You know, it's not like you just say, I'm just going, you know, when they say, I I know the Christians out there, you know, I'm going to give it to Jesus. Some situations you give to Jesus because you're like, I can't figure this out, so I need to give this to a higher power. But what that really means is I can't figure this out, so I'm going to give this to a higher power in the hopes that answers come back to me. Well, the higher power could be Jesus. The higher power could be the ancestors. The higher power could be Allah. The higher power could be just the energy of the universe. But what it is is saying, like, I'm going to free my mind in order to let my mind come up with something else. That's what meditation does. Like, that's what that really is all about. And it's a great effort. Sometimes it can be a really incredible effort to do that. But again, there's a risk. Now you risk missing out on some gems because I'm about to answer some more questions that are only going to be available for our listeners at the Amandaverse, aka my Patreon. So if you want to get these next three questions and you don't want to miss out on the gems that's about to be dropped, then I will see you at the Amandaverse. But if you're okay with missing out on that, let's keep talking. That That one time. time? (laughs) For me, I would say my biggest risk was probably moving to LA from New York after living in New York for 12 years. No, 15 years, sorry. Because when I moved to LA in September of 2015, I mean, I guess in my mind, it wasn't even a risk, but looking back, like it was a risk, but it was like I had done everything I could with New York City. And I really just felt like there was nothing else to do. Now, let me tell you where the risk came. The risk came in making the decision, but the thoughtfulness came in how I plotted out that decision. It was always going to be a risk because I'm moving to a place that I don't live. I'm moving to a place where I don't really have a big community and I'm already in a field that is risky as hell anyways. So it was like, how do I reduce the parts of this risk that I can actually control So that the parts that I really have absolutely no certainty of, they won't have such a hold on me. So let me tell you some of the ways I did that. First, it was like, all right, you need to go out there with a job. You need to go out there with a job. So I was doing a show called... I was doing a web series called Funny Style, which, by the way, I still think is a great concept. And it was me and um, my co-host, Desmond, who also, by the way, if you've heard, uh, we used to produce his podcast, Adventures of Black Cinema. So me and Desmond, every week, would talk about, like, Black fashion moments. It was a great show. Did BET promote it at all? Absolutely not. We were basically doing it for ourselves and my mom. Nonetheless, it was really a great show. And we did a few episodes and... I was like, you know what, this actually is a pretty cool show and I really want to move and I need to keep this kind of going. And so I went to my boss and I was like, listen, how can we convert the show so that I can do it on the road or do it in L.A. and be able to keep this income so that when I move to L.A., I still have something in the bank. I was very fortunate to have a boss who was willing to, you know, make that adjustment. But I think a lot of people wouldn't have even asked. I really think a lot of people wouldn't have even bothered to ask because they'd be like, there's no way they're going to do that. So many times the risk that has to be taken is literally in just asking. And that's a lot of times the least part of the risk. But that's the part that a lot of people won't even do. Oh, I don't want to ask because you don't want to look stupid or you don't want to look greedy or you don't want to look blah, 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 whatever. But a lot of times it's like, just ask. The worst thing they can do is say no. Now there are dumb questions and there are inappropriate questions. But a lot of times when we're in this context, where we're talking about the question is a legit question that would simply just have someone be able to say no. And then you can adjust in whatever way you need to. Thankfully, she said yes. So I was like, all right, boom, I'm having a little bit of income when I get to L.A. The other way that I wanted to reduce risk was I was like, OK, when I moved to L.A., if I could have an agent, that would be great. But I really had no idea of how I was going to have an agent. And so then I just started letting everybody know that I need an agent <laughs> again. I'm just using myself. I'm not trying to say that I am like the pinnacle example of how to be a risk taker. Like, I'm not trying to say that, but I will say that I'm actually like a very risk takery kind of gal hmm. I'm a very risk takery kind of gal. And I will just tell people what I'm trying to figure out. Now, I'm not telling everybody because you can't tell everybody everything, but I'm telling folks because there's also something to be said for like when you put stuff out into the universe, like it may not land on that person. But then that person may say it to somebody else, and it kind of like echoes back and it comes to you and you holding it to your chest sometimes isn't the right move because now it's like the information you need can't get to you. And there is a dance in learning which stuff you keep to yourself and which stuff you put out in the mix. But that's life, learning that dance. So I put that out there. And then Wayne Brady was like, hey, I talked to one of my agents and she'd be interested in repping you. And so I got an email one day from this agent that said, like, I want to be a part of the Amanda Seals world domination business. <laughs> And that was all she wrote. Like, we started talking. We we started meeting. You know, she showed, like, definite interest, et cetera. And then I ended up being able to come to L.A. with an agent. The biggest part of the risk for me moving to L.A. was that I didn't have any help. Nobody helped me. My mom was on some weird shit. Like, I guess she was having PSD about when she used to live here. Like, my boys at the time just fell off. Like, I remember Q-Tip was my really, really good friend. And he just, like... Fell off and like just didn't want anything to do with me. I guess because I was moving and we we never mended our relationship since. I had another homeboy who had a moving company, owned a moving company. I was like, hey, can you help me get a quote for this? He was like, yeah, I got you. And then I just never heard from him again. My other homeboy, I guess he was like going through something, but he didn't want to tell anybody what he was going through. So then it was like you couldn't even help him, but he was just like not available. So it was very risky for me to move to L.A. anyways. And then on top of it, it was like, I got to figure out how to do this, like by my lonesome. And when that happens, it can be so lonely and so debilitating and it can almost trick you into thinking maybe I'm not supposed to go. But I think in this situation, it was a challenge versus a stress situation. And it really challenged me to be more independent, which is exactly what the fuck I needed to be anyway, if I was going to be moving to a new city. And a lot of people don't want to make that move because of the risk of, oh, I'm going to be by myself. But I'm going to just say this to you. I ain't never seen nobody change where they at, staying where they at. Never. And I'm not saying you got to move 3,000 miles away like me, but. I knew that if I wanted to change my situation, I needed to take a risk. And I ended up taking that risk 3,000 miles away. And the last thing I'll give example of in terms of what I was trying to do to be thoughtful about this and not be reckless was I started going to LA every six to eight weeks. So I would use frequent flyer miles. I was borrowing bread, but I would find a way to get myself to LA every six weeks. And that started in March of 2014. And it allowed me to, over time, get better awareness of the lay of the land, start meeting people so that it felt like when, by the time I moved here, I wasn't just like stepping off a bus from Iowa saying, I'm here, Hollywood, take me as I am. Nonetheless, it was still a risk. And there were things that I dealt with when I got here that I didn't expect and things that pop up, et cetera. But I did feel like I had done my best to set myself up. And I distinctly remember sitting in a FedEx parking lot and calling my mom and being like, I think i made a terrible mistake. My intuition is telling me that I shouldn't do this. And my mom has never been really good at showing up for me emotionally. But in this situation, she did step in and was like, you're good. This is what needed to happen. And the thing that you're experiencing right now is just kind of like a buyer's remorse thing. It's just that extra little fear after the shit gets really real. Remember that point of no return I talked about? It's that point of no return that you have just hit. And that's when it hits you like, oh my gosh, I'm doing the thing. And the thing got done and now I live here. And I've done more here than I ever imagined that I could have done. And there was a bunch of risks that I took to even do that. But I also know that like, Part of the reason why I feel like I am such a consistent risk taker is because when I was young, my mother put me in a lot of activities. She put me in a lot of different activities with never the expectation to be like the star or the success or the, I don't know, the protege, the ingenue, I should say, whatever. Like I was never expected to be Mozart. I was never expected to be Serena. I was never expected to be Michelle Kwan. Like I was putting ice skating and we just tried it. And when I didn't like it, cause it was too cold. Cause like, what are we doing? Like that was it. And I think that being able to like try things out and fall and quote unquote fail and then move on without consequence really set me up as an adult to be able to do the same thing, not in a reckless way, but in a thoughtful way. Cause I'm trying things because I like it. I'm trying things because I feel like it would be a good venture. I'm trying things because I think that it would be advantageous and I'm not just willy nilly doing them, but at the end of the day, I know that at the end of this, I'll be able to brush myself off and keep going because I've done it before. And because I've seen myself do it since I was a wee little lass. I don't know I just got Irish. I feel like, yep, there it is. I feel like Brendan was going to play an Irish jig real quick. The last dose. To all my risk takers out there, keep doing it, keep going. To all my folks who want to be more of a risk taker, Understand that the actual risk is less about what the outcome is going to be and more about how you're going to feel about the outcome. And the beauty of that is that you cannot necessarily control an outcome, but you can control how you feel. And that's why we say there's no such thing as a fail unless you are thoughtfully dating a drug dealer that you know you shouldn't be dating because you have way too many degrees to do that. And then they get arrested and you have a baby and now you have to bring that baby to the prison. Like that's a fail. You feel me? Like that's a fail. And even in that, you might be able to get a lifetime movie made out of it. You feel me? So like we can always find a silver lining, but I seriously mean it when I say you can make everything a lesson with thoughtfulness. And when you take risks They don't have to be you trying to just throw caution to the wind and, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Like, that feels selfish. And maybe that's what it really boils down to. The recklessness is in selfishness, but the risk taker is in self-awareness. And we always are going to show up for that. And that is our first episode back. So, welcome, y'all. It's 2023 on a new side of things and a five year celebration of small doses. Remember, you can also check out small doses on YouTube at Amanda Seals TV, and you can get that extra bit of the show that you didn't get to hear here on TheAmandaVerse.com.